Hello, Jordan. What's going on, Michael? You have two drinks. I saw you take a sip out of one drink and then a sip out of another drink right before we hopped on. What are those two drinks? We got black coffee mm. in this one mug, and then mm -hmm. we've got water in this other white mug. Very nice. Getting hydrated. I like that. What are you drinking? Uh, I got water over here. Just had a little protein shake. Um, I don't think anyone realizes, I mean, we've all heard you talk about the benefits of fiber on your social media and you're on this fiber journey over the last one to two years. And we, fiber we, know, that, journey. we know that Jordan <laughs> likes fiber. It was not too many years ago that he was like, chia seeds are overrated. And now he's like fiber, like he's a fiber guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until I spent a long weekend with you. I did not realize the extent to which you're a fiber guy. You get more grams of fiber per day than you do protein. No, I don't. No, mm -hmm. I don't get more. No, I don't. No, that's let me, that's let not me, right. Let me tell They're the story. At, let me tell the story. Right, tell We're the standing story. around the kitchen island. It's maybe, maybe 1230, 1 o'clock PM, okay? And you're standing there eating, <laughs> I believe it was either Greek yogurt and Bran Buds. Or cottage or cheese cottage and cheese. Yeah, I cycle between the two. Okay. And I asked you, I was Which like- Which are both high in protein, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked you, I was like, Jordan, uh, how much fiber are you getting per day? And I think you said probably like 50 grams. So, yeah. Wow. But I had been looking at the nutrition facts of the brand buds and I knew that you had at least 50 grams in that one bowl in front of you in and of itself. I was like, what, what else have you had? Oh, and that was the other thing. You had just had the brand buds and then you were eating those tortillas, the high fiber yeah, yeah, tortillas yeah. with the nice chicken salad or I don't remember exactly what it was. But I basically tallied up your fiber for the day right in front of you by asking you what you had eaten. And you were at like- yeah. 135 grams no. and it was 1 p.m. No. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. You had like 60 via brand buds. You had three uh, tortillas at 17 no, a pop. No, it wasn't 60 via brand buds because brand buds are 17 grams per cup and I had one bowl. No, they're- And, they're, and that was- No, like, they're 17, 17 per cup. Per half cup. Are you sure? I'm positive. That, that was exactly the dispute we had right there. Hold on. Brand buds- fiber per serving let me see because i thought i looked yesterday dude it's we did the math right there and you had you'd had two of those drinks at like nine a piece you were at 130 for the day at oh, 1 wait. p.m yeah you're right it is a half cup <laughs> yep <laughs> why are you debating me on numbers what are you doing <laughs> man the crazy thing is i looked at it again yesterday with susan too and like i again saw 17 grams and i just like immediately wow for some reason i'm just making it a cup in my head without realizing it's actually a half cup Jeez, yeah okay yeah you're right look i'm impressed i'm in a state of awe i'm i didn't know it was possible to get that much fiber but big big fiber journey that i'm on <laughs> you're on you're on a real fiber journey <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, dude, your fiber journey is going well. I, I'm not on a fiber journey. I've been on a protein journey since I came out the womb. Since, since 1994, you haven't had a meal without protein. I know you were born in 1984? 1987. There's more notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> You you also had a piece of content. I don't remember where it was or what it was exactly. And I was shocked because you ranked you were ranking something in order of importance <laughs> and you put protein above fiber. I was like, wow, this guy's either like he's either dailing the crowd, which I don't think it was. I think you truly in your heart of hearts still have protein above fiber. And so I just want to applaud you for that. Well, that's because it was that's for fat a, loss. That, I, yeah, that was specifically I for know, fat loss. I know, I know, I know. But anywhere where I see protein above fiber on your list these days, I'm just ecstatic. It's it'd be like if I saw you put a bicep curl above a Turkish getup. I I would just I would think higher of you. I might do that. I would probably do that to be honest. Right now, I know you would. Big bicep curl guy. Learn from the best.
What else is going on? How, dude, how are your workouts going? Good. Feeling good? Yeah. 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 Good talk. Cool. Well, well what else do you want to know? <laughs> you know, ask a more pointed question. How are they? They're great. They're going really well. You doing neck training right now or no? Yeah. I always train my, well, I usually train my neck. One, once a week, I, I slip it in kind of mid-workout. Nice. Doing full body? Full body still. Nice. Just a few weeks before I started doing full body workouts, which was four four weeks ago, roughly, we on the podcast talked about why we don't like full body training. And, <laughs> and the reason I mentioned was it's way too exhausting. And yeah. next thing you know, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm breaking these workouts into AM and PM sessions because I can't do it all in one workout. Mentally taxing and physically, but mentally especially. Dude, full body workouts are brutal. Yeah. They are just absolutely brutal. I mean, it makes sense that you have to split them up in the AM and PMs. If you want to like bring the, the same amount of intensity. I mean, yeah, even like, even, uh, I, I know specifically like the Eastern European, like Bulgarian lifters, they would do the exact same thing. They would like have like their super heavy lifts in the morning and they would go back and do the accessory work in the afternoon or night. Cause it's like, it's just, it's too much to do it all in the same session. The Bulgarians might have a little Bulgarian in me. Might have to redo my twenty-three in me. I don't know. <laughs> that that uh, it feels. I mean, you know, you you break your workouts up. I mean, it's different things you're doing, but you feel better doing multiple types of. I don't even want to call it workout, but activity per day. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Having your day split up rather than just like one big one of activity, just multiple somewhat smaller ones or like not even smaller just like more moderate sized yeah yeah and or, or moderate or moderate intensity you know what i think about is do you remember you remember dan john right of course dan john just like an og of the fitness industry um i'll never forget when i was a kid i think it was an article that he wrote on t nation basically him saying listen as soon as you walk into the gym you know you have that like sand timer like what are those things called like the I know exactly you what you're turn it over and the sand falls down until the timer is up. He's like, you ha everyone has that everyone you turn it, you go in and you have that much time in the gym until like, you're just, you're out. And everyone's the amount of time that everyone has is individual, right? So it's like uh, a 16 year old kid might have two hours on his, whereas like a, a single mother who's working a couple of jobs might have 30, 30 minutes, right? And like everyone's sand timer is very different. It could depend on your schedule, also depend on just like your own preferences. And I know for me, when I was younger, dude, I, used, I could have like a two, two and a half hour sand timer, just like spend that long in the gym and love every second of it. And also give ridiculous intensity throughout that entire two, two and a half hour session. Whereas now it's like, I think it's closer to like 45 minutes. Where it's like, it's very difficult. It, the, the main thing being the intensity. If it's a lower intensity, I can go for maybe like 75 to, to 80 minutes. Mm -hmm. But if I have to give like a real legit high level intensity on multiple movements, 45 is it. And then I'm like, all right, I, I need to get out of here. Like it's it's too much. Is that is that impacted at all by your nutrition? Are you hating on fiber again? No, 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 no. I'm saying like- <laughs> Maybe oh. your fibers causing your intensity to go down. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not where I was going with it. A little fiber journey around uh, killing your gains. <laughs> fiber journey. You liked that one. Uh, no, what I have noticed is that with the higher volume, longer training sessions, if I, the day before and the morning of have had more calories and specifically more carbs, I actually feel like I, I notice a, a slight increase in, I notice less fatigue later in the workout. I feel like I have more, slightly more endurance, slightly more energy, which I don't think is like one-to-one -one physiological, meaning I don't think that I am, you know, if I have a smaller carb meal in the morning, I don't think I'm completely depleting glycogen like four exercises into the workout. And so I literally don't have gas in the tank for the next three or four exercises. I don't think that's what's going on, but I do feel like I can go longer in the gym when I have had more food. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. I think it's more of a psychological thing for me where okay. it's just like, e even, even yesterday, for example, I was doing sprints 
and and Alex Viata is still doing my cardio, my my cardio programming. I do my strength, but he's been doing my cardio. And um, man, I remember like when I was younger, if I was doing sprints, dude, I could go as hard as I possibly could multiple times over. And now I'm like, I've really got to, I've got to like buffer it where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, if he's saying you're going at a, at like a 10 out of 10 sprint, I can do that a couple of times mentally. But after that, I'm like, I can't keep doing this like outrageously high intensity anymore. Um, where So like, I'll literally drop it from like a 10 RPE to like a an eight RPE or something where it's like, if, especially if I need to sustain it over a longer period of time, granted Alex Viata's sprint sessions can be like absolutely devastating. So that I'm sure is playing a role in it, but I think it's more of like the psychology of like, how long can I stay in here before I mentally quit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's really what's going on, which is interesting because it it's just with, with lifting and with, with actually being in the gym, if it's jujitsu, I'm good. Like I can go for super long. It's, and I think a lot of it might have to do with enjoyment as well. Now that I'm, I'm thinking about it. Right. That's how you know it's psychological and not physiological. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is like, I'm on the treadmill. I'm like, I hate this. I hate this. All right. All right. I'll just reduce the intensity a little bit. <laughs> so it's not that you necessarily can't. Mm. Cause you're in, you're in the best cardio shape you've been in, in a long time. Yeah. 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 By far. But if it's, if it's a question of like, okay, am I going to actually do this at maybe an eight out of 10 intensity, or am I going to push myself to the point where I quit and just don't want to do it? If it's a binary, like 10 out of 10 or not do it at all, eight out of 10 is way, way better. <laughs> There's also the, I'm thinking now, like, you know, when you're in high school, you're trying to make varsity. So you're like, I'm going to go so freaking hard. Like you want to make varsity, you want to be the best. Now at like 32, I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> that like just competitiveness isn't there anymore because even though I compete in jujitsu, it's still like, I know after the jujitsu competition, we're all just going to go out and get beers and like, no one's really going to (laughs) care. It's just like, not that important for me, like to be the best anymore. Which, which I think is just a sign of wisdom and comes with years or laziness and just. No, because you, (laughs) you start to take a more realistic for better or worse, right? You start to take a more realistic approach to the world. And, and seeing like, okay, there can only be one the best at each thing. And there's billions of humans. And so. And I know for a fact that I'm definitely not even close <laughs> to the best in this. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I was like 14 or 15, just starting out and I'd be like, I'm going to be the best. And then I'd, I'd go absolutely crazy. But now at 32, I'm like, there's no way that's ever going to happen. Yeah, it is. It's very much just like realistic view of, well, I just know. With everything I've got going on and everything I'm willing to commit, there's no way I will ever, ever be the best. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> eight out of 10 is fine. I don't need the 10 out of 10. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? It reminds what? me of, it reminds me of the like boxing coach slash martial arts coach sales tactic with a new <laughs> client mm, of being like, yeah, oh my God, it's so could, funny. You could be champion of the world. You could be the best. It's like, I could be the best. I'm like just really drinking the Kool-Aid. Sign up for six months in advance right now because you could be the best. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If you and I work together every day for six months, one-on-one, I could see you winning Golden Gloves. Wow. Okay, let's Uh, sign up. Here's my credit card. I'm in. (laughs) Give me that 6 a.m. slot Monday to Friday. Yeah. Walking around New York City in your head, just like bouncing around like, yeah, that my boxing coach said I could be the best. (laughs) It's a real real shift from a singular focus in life. And and I think the best example is being 14 years old and being like, I want to be on varsity. I want to win a state championship. I want to like go division one. I want like like that track where – that matters so much more, or at least did for me and sounds like for you, than anything else going on at the time. Whereas now the interests are broader, like more responsibility, more going on in life and and less of a singular focus. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. 
I, this segues us kind of nice. We got a DM on Instagram where we're, we're pulling, you know, some questions from there. So if you have any questions, Instagram handles personal trainer podcast. We're making daily content over there. Oh, we're um, just railing into the daily content. We're railing that content. <laughs> railing is a word that <laughs> probably needs to make a comeback, right? Gets, Let's do it. Let's bring it back. It's not bad, is it? No, no, no. And even if it bad. is. Let's bring it back. Uh, we're bringing railing back. We're railing the content across the board, but especially on Instagram and a couple of good DMs. And we're going to pull one right here, which is a little bit of a fun one, which is. You got a smirk on your face that lets me know this. Might... No, no, no. It's not, it's not bad or anything like. From Nick. Shout out, Nick. Uh, hey, guys. Important question for the podcast. Could Jordan beat Zuck in jiu-jitsu? I knew you had a shit-eating grin on your face for something. <laughs> <laughs> and then he linked the the USA Today story of Zuckerberg uh, competing and, and winning gold, I believe, right? He uh, he competed in gi and nogi. He won gold in one division. I think he won gold in nogi and silver in gi. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in the white belt division, but it's fun. Like really the only people that care about belts are people who don't do it because there are killers who are very low belts and there are not killers who are very high belts. So um, I don't know. I mean, to be very honest, his jujitsu looked very good from the clips that I saw, like very smooth, very fluid. And I also just think, I I know from rolling with so many different people, some of the the people who are the best are just seem like they're nerds and they're unbelievably smart and they they can like systematize jujitsu. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually unbelievably good at it. Hmm. But we'll see. If you guys want to like tweet at him or no, maybe he's not on Twitter. Message him and say, hey, you got to fight this guy. <laughs> you, you then let's set it up. I will absolutely Facebook. set it up. I'll do it. So that was, you're you're so good and just, you know, so aware. And you really complimented Mark highly there. But the question was, could you beat him? I mean, there's always a chance. Like, I don't, I don't know how long he's been doing it. It's hard to tell until you roll with someone. I see. Okay. Like you, you just don't know. So I, cool. I, I don't know. That's fair. I, I would like to think I could considering like I've, I've been doing I it for you, a while. I think I'm you like, could. I have a pretty good idea of how that would go. What do you think? You guys would be moving around a little bit and then, uh, <laughs> and then on your first shot, you'd get a single leg takedown and end up in his half guard and then and then you would uh, do some kind of like, uh, I know you're not really a smash and passer, but I think you would smash and pass on Zuck. You'd have a lot like- Okay. A lot of, maybe not anger, but like you'd smash and pass, you'd end up in side control and then, uh, yeah, and then good things would happen from there. That's my prediction. Dude, I love that prediction. Well, I'll tell you what, if we can make this fight happen, I will, I will gladly- fight like there's there's literally literally nothing that yeah for charity for sure for charity and for glory (laughs) (laughs) all right i got a i got an interesting one here from jeff jones hello jordan and mike my name is jeff jones i've been listening to your podcast for two years now and i must say that following the advice you both have given has helped me find a lot of success as a personal trainer let's go jeff that's awesome thank you jeff uh jeff says less on the business side on the business end of things, as I don't feel quite ready yet to start a business, but more as a personal trainer. Through following a lot of your advice, I've realized how much I truly love changing people's lives. And for that, I am thankful. I mean, Jeff, that is business, by the way. Like becoming yeah. a great coach is is probably the foundational, most important thing you can do for your business for the long run. But I'll, I'll keep reading here. My question for you is how can I grow my business network and build more connections online. I know social media helps as well as posting articles, which is something I'm getting back into again. I've recently put a lot into my LinkedIn profile and began a podcast to start connecting with more potential clients and other professionals in the industry. Is this the right approach? And if so, how can I improve on it? If not, what should I be doing instead to grow my network? Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. This is a really good question. And I'm going to say something that I think nobody's expecting maybe i don't think mike is expecting it i don't think we've spoken about this here on the podcast before i think one of the best ways to because what we're talking about is networking that's right right it's like networking yep. how to meet more people in the industry i think 
one of the best ways to meet people in the industry and to develop great relationships with them is is by going to fitness events in person. Mm. So whether it could be a certification, it's funny, I would be more likely to tell someone to go to a certification for the networking aspect as opposed to like, unless it's an amazing certification, most certifications are not good. Um, but I like whether it's a conference, like a perform better conference, or like the one I spoke at here in Dallas, the raise the bar conference, which by the way, a lot of people from the mentorship went to and got to hang out in person and get to know each other even better. So these, these in-person conferences where uh, a lot of coaches will go to learn and get better, that's the best place. And, and that's where even now looking back on my career early on in the first four to six years of my career where I was going to multiple of those every year, the vast majority of my network was built and remains built due to that, where just meeting those people there and uh, and having so many opportunities come from that. So I think like if I could give you one piece of advice, it would be probably to get off the internet from that, or not get off, but just from a networking perspective, focus on in-person. It's, it's like, it's more time consuming. It's sort of like how we say when someone starts coaching, they should coach in person before they coach online. Similar where you can still connect to people online, but there's such a barrier with online. There's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your intent is. Whereas when you go in person, you're all there to meet each other and you can sit down, you can have meals with them, speak with them, interact with them, whatever. Like there's so much going on. I think that would be the best thing to do between one to four times a year, go to a fitness conference and just hang out with other coaches for a weekend. It's one of the best things you can do. Cool. What, what opportunities do you feel like, or, or maybe specifically came from those early days, fitness conferences, like compared to the opportunities that have come from having a larger following? Well, I mean, it's sort of hard to, to compare just because I don't know, I can't say which is which, right? But I'll give you an example. So for example, I just had Dr. Spencer Nadolsky on my podcast a couple of weeks ago in regard to like the weight loss injections and the, the GLP ones and, and all of that. Um, I met Spencer at a fitness summit in 2014 or something. And I had seen him online. I think we had a couple of interactions, but we didn't really become friends until one of these conferences. Mm. And then, and then he also contributed to our book with a really incredible quote for the book. And, mm -hmm. and I think, I think that a relationship like that where, Hey, what's up, bro? I just want to come on the podcast where you can develop that relationship. All you do is text them and say, Hey, do you want to come on? As opposed to like having to reach out via Instagram, hope that they see it, hope that they're willing to reply. I think that those are, are invaluable. More, more and that's more really depth. what's built. Yeah, way more depth and more trust. Yeah. And so who knows? Like there's a chance that I could message someone and just because my audience size, they like just do it anyway. That that could be a real thing. And it's not could be. It is a real thing. But I I I know for a fact that I had a lot of those opportunities before my audience grew. And I think that was in large part due to just going and seeing people at these fitness summits. Cool. What about you? What do you think? I've never intentionally thought about networking and feel like I'm not good at it and don't have, like, I don't have a good answer. David, don't clip any of this. I definitely don't have a Clips Nation answer around uh, networking. Um, You're a great networker. You're just not networking deliberately. That, and that's, I think, an important discussion, but keep going. Um, yeah, I, I think generally speaking, my interest leads me more than wanting to form a connection with a specific person. And I don't want to put a judgment on it. And I know it's great for business. Like I see Gary, I see like, you know, there's all these, Tim Ferriss, your network is your net worth. Uh, Never Eat Alone, Keith Ferrazzi was like an all time book that, that uh, was very popular for many years. Um, so I know all these people who are very successful in business place a lot of uh, time and energy and emphasis and importance on networking. I've just never thought about it, especially with regards to like networking with peers. Like I would much rather earn the respect of people I'm helping than other people in my industry. Um, 
yeah. So, so I'm, I'm much more likely to like want to seek out and form connections with people who I'm either interested in what they're about, or I'm impressed by what they're doing, or I admire what they're doing, whether that's in or outside of fitness. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that makes total sense. Even though you care more about impressing the people that you're helping and establishing a good relationship with them, you you still would go to those summits and conferences, right? Like you would still do that stuff. Yeah, I'm like trying to t- to, to educate yourself, right? It was it was more of an education thing, I would imagine. You know, I I went to a few. Um, it was more like, okay, all of the coaches at the gym that I work at in person are going to this event, so like we're all going to this event. Yeah. Yep. Or there was another one where it's like, uh. I went because Dick Talon, shout out Dick, photocracy was my roommate at the time. And he's like, dude, it's an awesome summit. We'll go like, we'll drink. We'll have a great time. There'll be lots of people there. Like, it'll be fun. I was like, okay, I'll like tag along to this thing. It was never, and and I, I once there appreciated the educational component of it and listening to different talks and learning things like, you know, listening to Tony G talk about the hip and shoulder or I, I think that's what is his like main talk whatever it was i enjoyed that but it was <laughs> but it was never like i want to go and meet these group of people and like get in with this group of people like th- that feels like uh unnecessary agreed it, it's there's a connotation with networking that i don't think anyone really likes they're like no one like oh yeah i'm going to network Whereas if you're going to learn and then to build relationships, that is, I think, the right way to look at it. If you go in, I, I always can tell who's there for a quote unquote networking purpose because they approach the conversation from a very awkward way. It's just like they walk right up. So, so like, tell me about yourself and like, like, oh, how do you structure? It's the immediate, like, they're not trying to build a real relationship. They're trying to network, mm-hmm. which I think is two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having a network is as a result of building relationships. Mm-hmm. But if you go in to network, you won't build relationships. And that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So so I think if you're going there with the idea of like, all right, I'm going to go here. I need to speak with like this many people a day. I need to really focus on making sure that like, that like they feel valued. And if you go up to someone and say, how can I bring you value? Like you're immediately tarnishing it. I, when people say that to me, I'm immediately like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this conversation. Like, cause what you're really saying is like, when you say, I want to bring you value, you're really saying, I want to give you enough of something that one day then you will repay me back with something else. It's like, so if going to these things for the purpose of education, for the purpose of, in other words, as, instead of saying networking, I would say making friends, right? It's like, that's it. Just make friends with people. If you don't like them, then don't pretend to like them or like, don't try and network with them. Even if you don't like them or agree with them, like find people who are like, that you like, that you agree with, that, uh, you think are good contributors to to you and to your life. And you can contribute well to their life and make friendships with them. Mm. That's all what, that's all networking is in my opinion. And what I've seen, I saw it with the generation before us in the fitness industry. I saw it in, I see it in our generation. And I also see it in the younger generations is people create friendships that I think the most successful people create friendships with other people who are coming up at the same time. Right. And so eventually if you, if you have the staying power and you just don't quit, and you maintain these friendships while continuing to build your business, eventually you're going to be like the top of that generation in the fitness industry. And you'll be friends with a lot of the other people that are also at the top around that time. And I've seen it again from the people who are before us, our generation, and now uh, after us who are up and comers. And it's like, it's really just, who are you friends with? And oftentimes you're the people who are you the best, you're the best friends with that you meet in these conferences or you meet in something like the mentorship. We have a lot of people in the mentorship who they're coaches, they've met each other, they've connected with each other, they travel to see each other, they collaborate with each other. Like going into something with the ability to meet other people who have a similar goal. One might call that networking, another person might just call it like just trying to make friends with similar interests. I think if you have the mindset of trying to make friends with similar interests, it's going to help you create a better network. 
I think I think that's a good way of looking at it, and I think that that's also true. But then, this is not helpful at all for Jeff. But in my mind, I'm limited, and and those like me, I would imagine, where the bigger your network, the more beneficial for business. But I don't want that many new friends, <laughs> and that's okay. No, but but so then it's like okay, you know, you're trying to go make new friends. It's like. I don't necessarily want that many new friends. You're laughing, but like, you know, I I have a I have a lot of trust in the people who I've been friends with for years, if not decades, and like, you know, new acquaintances understood, like happy to help people, but I'm I'm not necessarily trying to go make a new best friend. Are you is this like a a hypothetical or are you talking about yourself right now in this moment? Both. Oh, the good news is you're not the one asking the questions. <laughs> I, know, I know, but I'm, but I'm giving my opinion on networking and I've, and I've never understood it. And I'm just like airing out what I'm actually thinking. That's something in general, unless it's like a niche thing that I really feel like an expert in, I don't want to be giving advice. I like asking questions much more than giving advice or just sharing what I'm actually thinking. Like, yeah, dude, what, what, I, what always worked for me was, was, uh, like ignore this circle jerk, ignore this like 25 person DM group. Yes. We're going to like yes. each other's shit. We're going to comment emojis on each other's shit. We're going to, you know, whatever. I'd rather just interact with the people who I'm trying to help, make content, bring people to you. In, in one of Gary's books, he I've referenced this before, he talked about if you don't want to go out there shaking hands and kissing babies, make amazing art, make amazing content, bring the people to you. Um, that always spoke to me, but yeah, Jeff, if you're extroverted and feel like, like the, the podcast to meet people is a good idea. If you really want to meet all those people, I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah. 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 Do you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I've watched it. I think it's slightly overrated, but I've watched, I've watched 20 episodes. When you were like, I don't want to make new friends. I'm I'm good with who I've got. Like you reminded me of Larry David, like immensely in that moment. You're like, I don't know. I don't want new friends. I don't want to meet new people. I don't like people. I'm good with what I've got. <laughs> don't don't. Do you ever feel like if someone's trying to be your friend, we'll just leave this. Yeah. We got more questions. The, well, no, that's the thing. It's it's like they just uh, want something from you. Yes, it's and that's the whole. It's the whole intent. If you're going there to try to make friends, to try and get them in your network, it's botched from the beginning. But we're talking about networking. <laughs> I know, but that's why I'm saying go to these conferences to learn and then naturally make friendships with people and mm. that will become your network. I'm not saying go there with a fucking notepad of all the people you want to meet, figuring out all their interests and trying to like to befriend them so that then they can benefit you down the road. Because if you do that, then it's it's ruined before you even start. But if you go there to learn or you join the mentorship to learn, and then you're in an area with people who have similar interests and you naturally make friendships, that's how a network is built. But then you're saying, but what if I don't wanna fucking make friends? Then you could go to these conferences and not talk to anybody. You could join the mentorship and not interact with anybody and just study by yourself and do your own thing. And that's also totally fine. But from answering Jeff's question, it's like, I, it seemed like the question was largely based around how do I meet these people? And I'm and I'm saying meeting them online is often not the best way. Going and meeting in person, I think, is the is because online you can copy paste, just send to a bunch of people, whatever it is. Like it's very difficult. But when you're in person, you get real quality time. I think if you want to build relationships with people in person, is better than online. I agree with that. I think that's good advice. And Jeff, I would just urge you to listen to Jordan on this subject and not me. And if you're going to run this back, just skip over the parts where I was talking. I think that's probably optimal when it comes to networking. I don't want any friends. <laughs> you, you I've can't, got enough you, friends. You can't relate to I don't that. even like my friends. No, I love my friends. But like, <laughs> you know. Oh, that was so good. A question for the podcast, if you don't mind. This is from Justin. Uh, I'm starting my online coaching business. I also work a nine to five and I'm working on my content slash brand. I am Gary Vee it, working on posting daily <laughs> free content to help people. 
Vtards, shout out to the Vtards. I'm planning on starting a podcast. <laughs> it's a little uh, Vcon inside joke. A little nice comedy show this past weekend. Um, uh, which was should we t- actually talk about that? Vcon was really really fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, it was an awesome event. Oh wow! You saw I know you saw Andrew Schultz who like coined that term. The yeah, V-tards. the Vtards. <laughs> well, and he posted it on his Instagram, so people might have seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was hilarious. Just like nonstop high quality speakers going on the whole time. The venue was sweet. The like it, it was it was really fun and talked to a bunch of people. Uh, one podcast listener, a couple people who read Eat It, like that was cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't think I told you about that, but just like seeing Vayner people I hadn't seen in a while and Gary like just crushed. I told you his closing speech reminded me of the stop watching fucking loss, like patience, passion, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. kind of energy. It was, it was really well done. Uh, but that that's where the VTARDS comes from. That's awesome. That sounds super fun. So you did some networking there? I'm just burnt out from all the networking. That, do, yeah. do you know what it is? You're definitely burned out from all the networking over there. No, it's, that's actually who I am. But do you know what part of it is? I, I really struggle to have long duration, short form, like five to 15 minute small talk conversations over and over again. And it's, yeah, and it's yeah. hard it's to like go deep. You know what? Back to Justin, if you're going to have a podcast, you can go deep in a 90-minute conversation one-on-one. So maybe that is different. Yeah. Meet people in person, invite to podcasts, cool. But just that that like uh, small talk really wears on me. Yeah, dude, I agree. The small talk is the worst. I That's why it's like I, I like when you meet someone at these events, like go out to lunch and like get to know them. As opposed to like trying to go up to everybody and have these like, I'd rather you meet four people and have like long conversations with those four people than meet 28 people and like, and know nothing real about them. Yeah. And we should normalize zone one and a half cardio meetings where you go on like, oh, love that. you go on like not quite a zone, but like a nice walk for 45 to 60 minutes and get some real steps in and some UV and have an in-depth conversation. That'd be a really cool concept for a podcast. I'd be surprised if someone doesn't have it yet, but like with they, they walk while they're doing the podcast. I wonder how the audio, I guess, and then have a videographer Remember? like walking and staying out in front yeah. of them. That'd be kind of sick. Yeah, that'd be cool, right? Uh-huh. Out in nature or something, like in the woods. Let's start that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So what was Justin's question? Oh, I'm sorry. So that was Jeff. I was referencing on the on the networking. Justin's question all over the place. We're doing we're doing an AM podcast. Jordan and I both rolled out of bed to crush this thing. We're we don't weekly uploads Tuesday morning. By the way, we have an agreement here. It's the gentle person's agreement. If you are not <laughs> subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, please subscribe. You know we make these podcasts for free. We don't run ads here. And so if if you're listening to this right now, personal trainer podcast. We make the content. You just click the subscribe button. That's it. You don't have to click the notifications. Notifications are bad for your soul. You don't want to get those push throughs on your phone. Like none of that, but just the subscribe button on YouTube, personal trainer podcast. And we'll continue making these weekly free episodes. Right hook, right hook. <clears throat> do you, do you right hook like this or like this? The first way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's what's well, because we were taught in boxing gyms. I think I think the right way to hook is with your palm facing in. I've I've been taught both ways. Oh, have you? Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. It's harder to like get the rotation for the palm down though. Yeah, I feel like it'd be more dangerous for the wrist too. Yeah. I don't remember what the reason was. I think maybe I I don't remember. Let's continue. <laughs> this is a we're all over the place. Justin is planning to, so he's Gary Vee in it. He's planning to start a podcast. I enjoy long form content the most and it serves as both long form and clips. Love it, Justin. However, I'm feeling insecure slash imposter syndrome with my ability to help people. This comes out the most when I think about starting my podcast and YouTube channel as I don't feel qualified to talk about the things I want to. Mm. I've been training hard and nerding out about training for a decade now, and I really do believe I can help people, which is why I love coaching in the first place. I know my knowledge isn't anywhere near yours, but it also, but it's also more than most people, gen pop or even some athletes, and I know I can reach people that otherwise won't be reached. 
and can impact people's lives. I've had some Instagram DMs already from some people I've helped. Any tips for the imposter syndrome slash feeling unqualified in a world full of more qualified people? Justin. Man, so great question. I appreciate everything. The last sentence really struck me in the way that you phrased it. You said, how to deal with imposter syndrome in a world of people, how to deal with imposter syndrome and feeling unqualified in a world in which there are so many people who are more qualified to that effect, right? What's interesting is you're focusing on the people who are more qualified and not focusing on the people who are significantly less qualified than you, right? And in, if we're looking at the population of the world, there are significantly fewer people who are more educated than you on this and significantly more people who know way less than you on this, like way less. If we're just looking at like overall population, way more people don't know anywhere near as much as you. But it's funny how you're focusing on the small percentage of people who do know more than you. Um, and I think that's causing the imposter syndrome. That's causing the the stress and anxiety around it. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think the best way to overcome imposter syndrome is don't present yourself as an expert if you don't believe that you're an expert yet. But you don't have to go onto your Instagram and say like, yeah, I, you don't have to have like, I'm, I'm a NASM, ACE, PT certified coach. I know everything like da, 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 da. Here's the truth about this. Like what you can say is this. You can say, listen, I'm a new coach. I love doing this. I have a lot more that I want to learn. But over the years that I've been coaching, I've already learned a lot and my clients have gotten amazing results. And I know for a fact that I can help you. So what I'm going to do on this social media is I'm going to give you information based off of my current knowledge that will hopefully help you achieve your goals if you stick with it. I've been wrong in the past. I guarantee I'll be wrong in the future. And when I make a mistake, I'm going to do my absolute best to correct it and let you know. But when you start presenting yourself in this way, essentially as a forever student, the imposter syndrome goes away because you're no longer trying to live up to the to the expectation that you put on yourself that you're an expert. Now you're just saying, I'm a student of the game. I've been doing this for a really long time. I hope this helps. And that's it. And then like, if you are shown to be wrong at some point, cool. You say, Hey, you know, I made a mistake. I've said that a million times, but if you're, if you're not wrong, then cool. Like you're speaking from your experience and from your knowledge. So I think the the worst thing you can do from an imposter syndrome perspective is pretend like you're an expert when you're not. And, uh, and I, one of the best things that I've been able to do, even as I've grown in the industry is I've recognized when people are more knowledgeable than me in certain areas, and then I'll ask them questions and I'll reference them or I'll bring like, like I said, Dr. Ndodolsky and Dr. Dr. Bilardo on my podcast to discuss the weight loss injections, because that's not my specialty. It is Dr. Nadolsky's specialty. Like he is a weight, he's an obesity medicine specialist. So he knows way more about these GLP-1 inhibitors than I do. So let's bring him on and talk to him about it. Let's bring Dr. Bellardo on and talk to her about it. Let's, so, or whatever, like, even for example, I hired Alex Viata to do my programming. I know how to do programming. I'm very well aware, but I hire new coaches once every year, year and a half or so, so that I can learn from them. Now I'm about to hire, um, uh, Hunter Fitness. Uh, you know, you know, um, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He's going to be so pissed at me that I'm forgetting his name right now. Oh, super flexible. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Yeah. He's the, he's, he's a really good dude. Hunter Cook, Hunter Cook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, really good guy. I'm going to hire him next because I want to improve my dexterity, uh, and, and ability to like move within a greater range of motion. So I'm always hiring people who are better than me in other areas so that I can learn from them. So again, I think a lot of coaches who struggle with imposter syndrome, they want to appear as though they are the expert, or maybe I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong word. They are the expert. I was like, they are the expert. They are the expert. So stop trying to be the expert. Just trying to just be a student that's helping people. I think it's a much better way to go about it. Yeah. You nailed it there. Railed it. <laughs> no, you nailed it. That's not what a rail is. <laughs> be okay with, it's been too long since you used that. You forgot the definition. Uh, be okay with being wrong. Be okay with saying, I don't know. Say, I don't know a lot. Be honest and don't position yourself as an expert. Um, and, and that's going to help you avoid a lot of that imposter syndrome. It's, it's also very important to know that like 
Jordan mentioned the way you positioned it of looking towards these people who know more than you, which is a minority of the population, whereas the overwhelming majority of the population doesn't know as much as you and you could potentially help. Your communication style and the way you phrase things and the way that you speak and the words that you use all matter a lot in terms of if someone's going to stop and listen to what you're saying, right? There might be someone way smarter than you that is just going to get scrolled over because for a number of reasons, right? Here's an example. Uh, Jordan, who, who's better at anatomy, you or Eric Cressy? Eric Cressy. Okay. Would you say that there are people who like the way that you talk and explain things and bring your sense of humor to the table that that maybe wouldn't have read one of Eric's articles, but that will watch your Instagram video? A hundred percent. Yeah. So case in point, there there are going to be people who want the information from you, even if they could get that information or slightly better information from someone who's smarter than you, they're not going to re- they're not going to resonate with the way that that person communicates or something else about the person. So you, basically you don't have to be the smartest person to help people is is what I'm trying to say. I love that. I love that. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I nailed it. I did nail it. <laughs> Emphasis on nail. <laughs> Coach Grimm, who is uh, an ex pro hockey referee and I I believe Whoa. I'm just paraphrasing this one. I think the email was a little longer, but but the gist of it was, uh, should you make multiple social media accounts for each niche or put them all under one account? And his examples were uh, his personal fitness journey as a dad and then having a brand account with high performance related content. No, same account. And we'll leave, we'll even go broader with this question because it's one that we often get in the mentorship and when people are just starting their online coaching business is, um, should I start a new social media handle for my business or should I use my current personal, whatever it is, Instagram handle, Facebook page, et cetera? Yeah. Same account. No, I mean, it's hard enough to post on one, never mind multiple. It's hard enough to grow one, never mind multiple. And the reality is a lot of people think that they they want to separate their business from their personal life or their personal journey. And if you want to not share anything about your personal life or your personal journey, then that's fine. But make one account that doesn't include your personal life or your personal journey. Whereas what I think is more important is if you're going to have, if you think you want one account for your personal life and another account for not your personal life, your personal journey in, in fitness, you're completely misunderstanding one of the most important parts of why people want to work with you, which is you. And sort of like what you were just talking about, Mike, where some people will like you and not someone else, and you could have the exact same information, or the other person might have better information, but they just feel close to you. They resonate with you. Your personal journey, now more than ever, is incredibly important and and a very important part of your content and your education. When there were only like men's health and and women's health and men's fitness and women's fitness and there were these, these big companies, that stuff wasn't as important because they were just big companies and people just bought from the big brand names. Now, people buy from individuals. They buy from the person that they see, that they like, that they want to support. They buy from the mother that they resonate with. They buy from the father that they resonate with. They buy from the the guy or, or woman in the gym that they resonate with. Yes, their their information and knowledge matters, but their personality and their, their personal life also matters, I would say, equally, if not maybe even more. I think now more than ever, I think someone resonating with you as an individual you know what? It's not even a question. Someone resonating with you as an individual is more important than your knowledge, which in some ways isn't a good thing, but it's just the truth. So don't separate them. Have it all on one account and uh, and and post both. Yeah. Nailed it. Especially Coach Grimm, because both of the things that you're talking about are are somewhat closely related. Fitness journey as a dad and high performance related account um, or high performance related content. So they go hand in hand and they don't even necessarily have to. Meaning if you, Gary's interested in the Jets, he talks about the Jets in like one per or 2% of his content. And it's a nice little thing that people know 
about him and know that he's interested and know that he's passionate about and like football fans can relate and have that conversation with him. Like, yeah, people are going to hire you for who you are as a person. And so showing who you are as a person in your content is, uh, is going to be good for business. You want to know, I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I definitely haven't told you this, Mike. I think you'll, you'll find this story interesting. A lot of people, they, they don't know what to talk about, especially if it's personal stuff, maybe outside of their like own fitness journey, which is equal, very important to share, but just personal stuff. Be like, well, what do I say? What do I do? Well, number one, I think just simply just show what you're doing. But if you know how I have like the cheat sheet for getting over writer's block, just write about whatever like pisses you mm -hmm. off. So I used to do something. I, I don't know why I used to do this. I did this when I was a kid. I used to do this in the car when my mom was driving me and potentially my brother to like some type of an event or a, a party where I didn't want to go, but like there were going to be people there and I wanted to get myself in a mental place to like speak with people and be energetic, like where I didn't want to go. So for whatever reason, when I was a kid, I would just, how do I get in like a really good mental place? I'm just going to start thinking of things that I love and thinking of things that I hate. And then saying it out loud, like, do you know what I love? Like, I love, or like, you know what I hate? Like, I, and I remember being like, I, when I was a kid, I loved the smell of exhaust. I was like, you know what I love? Just love the smell of exhaust. Like, and like, did you ever like that yeah. smell when you were a kid? Uh -huh. It's weird, right? So, and I would just start thinking of random things that I either loved or that I hated. And I'd get really passionate about those things. And I would just like, just try and quickly come up with them. And the reason I say this is because if you don't know what to say, just like think of something that you love or you hate and just talk about it. And and the one thing that comes to mind is in the mentorship, Ben Cure, like he just goes on his social media. He's like, I fucking hate soup. Soup isn't a real food. Soup sucks. And he's like, and people are like, wait, is it not healthy? He's like, no, it's totally healthy. It's just like, but soup sucks. I don't eat soup. Fuck soup. And it's just funny because it, it brings out things that a little bit more about you in a relatively effortless way that often people will find endearing or they'll, it's the, and then I guarantee Ben probably gets messages about soup all the time. And it's a huge inside joke with his audience. And so could be something you hate, could be something you love, could be a sports team. Like, if, like, you know, like Susan, it was funny. Susan was on my podcast yesterday and like, I asked her, I like, what's a big pet peeve or something. And she just said, fuck the Cowboys, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> like in me, the first thing that came to her mind. And I think there's something about, or Susan and her, her cat, her cats in general, but Fred specifically, like she posts about Fred posting about things you love or things about you hate is a very easy way just for people to get to know you better. And uh, I, if you're not sure how to show more of yourself, just talk about that stuff. And that, it, it doesn't have, it shouldn't make up a huge part of your content, but just a little bit. It's enough for people to, all right, I'm getting to know you a little bit. That's interesting about you. These like endearing little things that you love or you hate that things that you'll notice in your, your boyfriends or girlfriends, husbands or wives, whatever it is, or your family members, little things that you just find endearing about them that like that, based on things that they, they love or they hate or little quirks that they have. These are things that often draw us to people. Mm, I like that. That's good. That's a nice practical piece of advice. Just made it up right there. Well, and learning about the, <laughs> the inner workings of Jordan prior to the age of 22 are hilarious to me. I used to call random numbers on road trips and try and make them like me. <laughs> Great stuff, man. Good, good AM pod. Do you have any tips or advice on that? On posting personal, it's, it's similar to the networking question. Like I'm just, yeah, we can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at understanding consumer behavior. Meaning in my mind, I'm like, why would anyone care about what I love or what I hate? Because I don't care that much about what random people on the internet love and hate. But I know that lots of people do care about that. So I like your advice. Just don't really have much to add. No, I think you do. Like you've sent me someone else's schedule before. Like someone posted their schedule. You'll send me that. That's, like that's practical that's stuff that they that care I'm about. That's something that I'm learning from that I want to implement in my life that I think can make me better, that I think is a good idea, that I think is like an optimal way yeah. to live. That's not like – that's – continue to give me examples because if I 
I'm curious if I really do like or. Yeah, I, I think it's like a. I think if there's someone that you look up to or admire or you like a lot of what they yep. say, you'll you'll get even a closer connection to them if they show an interest in something that you also show an interest in. I'm gonna I'm gonna press you for an example, even if it makes me look bad. Um, all right, let me. I'm trying to think of one. Or we can, or or I can even bring up random characters who I bring up to you, and I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 let's do that. Uh, like a Sahil. Well, yeah. So I mean, for example, I think Sahil showing his his family is like something that like, but if it was just him. Like it's one thing, but to show that like he's a family man, husband, father, I think that immediately like makes you like him more or trust him more or like I think it gives you a little bit more insight into like okay like this guy is like doing this for that like I I don't I don't know this, but I think that showing that side does bring you closer. This is to him. an incredible example because I think that him showing his family and that he's a family man does do what you just said for most people. For me, mm. I'm interested in his ideas. I'm interested in, in his right. newsletter. I'm interested in the practical things I can apply. When I see him showing his family, I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting branding. Like that's where my mind goes <laughs> on that because he's so smart and like yeah, – yeah. and, and he said it. He's like, how can we fight against you know AI in the future? It's like, well, the one thing that we have that robots don't have is that we're human. So if we can share like – the more personal and like human side of us that we can share, the more we're going to be able to connect and relate to others. But I don't, I'm not like interested, bless his heart and super cute kid, but I'm not interested in seeing Sahil's kid on his Instagram story. Whereas I am very interested in re like the article that he read that like w was really impactful or something. I feel like I can benefit from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Look, like we don't need to make this segment all about me. I know that or a style. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could give another another example, but I look. People do really resonate with the personal things that we share about ourselves online, and so I agree that it makes sense to do it, even if I can't understand why people care about those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I still think you connect with people online through those things. Then maybe even like the Staples Brothers. Okay. Yeah. Right. Where it's like the Staples Brothers. Like uh, there are a lot of people who do poker online, mm -hmm. but you're not as connected to them as you are as someone like the Staples Brothers or well, I, or they were clients and I traveled the well, world. Obviously, because you coach no, them. No, I'll give you. But like even before you coach them, I'll, I'll give you a poker example. I um. Like Phil Ivey or Tom Dwan are were like okay. real poker titans who I liked following and who I looked up to. I'm in pretty the poker sure I remember world. Phil Ivey from the World Series of oh, Poker. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. but I'm I, I don't do they have families? Are they dating anyone? Like I don't even know these things. But the hand where Durr three bet with uh eight nine of clubs and then triple barrel bluff and Ivy had the A6 suited and like almost called with bottom pair. Like I'll spend hours thinking about how did he almost call that $268,000 bet on the river with a pair of sixes on like this king queen jack board. And Durr was like, that interests me more than what kind of ice cream does Tom Dwan like? But like obviously you care more about that than like what ice cream he likes. But I think seeing what ice cream he likes makes you care even more about his performance subsequently. For most people, I think that's right. Well, all right. For example, Conor McGregor. Did you, fin did you finish the yes. documentary, right? Yep. He's a beast. Okay. So he's a beast. You think he's a beast, not just because of his fights and the results of his fights, but because you saw what happened behind the scenes now. You're taking it somewhere different. You, see, you think we're he's on, even- on things I like, no. things I like and things I hate. Right, right, right. But you now you can see him behind the scenes, right? So it's not just watching his performance in the octagon, which is like the performance of the poker player playing that, whatever it is. It's not just that. It's also the preparation before that. What's going on in his life? Because because I admire and I want scenes. to apply it. It's not. It's not. But that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's not, not just like things that you like or hate. Okay. 
it's all, it's just, I think it's behind the scenes and things when people are like, well, I don't know what to show the behind the scenes of my, my quick fix was talk about things you like or you hate. That's just one simple way to get the juices flowing. And I think, but I think that's really I, good. I should I have been people, more clear. I think like, people do care about that. <laughs> but you don't. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I, I, I like seeing how he acted after losing, because I feel like that's something I can learn from and apply and benefit in my mm. life. Like I like uh, seeing his training schedule and seeing how many hours a day yeah. and like what he's doing in terms of striking versus, you know, being on the mats versus cardio, seeing him on the roll, the rower, like all this stuff, uh, how he trains around injury. But these are all practical things that I can glean from and apply to benefit myself, not just interest in like, it's like celebrity culture. Most people care about celebrities in some way. Like People Magazine sells millions of issues. People, oh, Kim Kardashian's just like us. She walks down the street and and goes shopping and like whatever. Like people really pay money to see this shit. Yeah, people care people, about that. That's yeah, where yeah. the consumer behavior, where I, if if I wanted to succeed in business, I would need to separate consumer behavior from my own perspective on things and then act in a way that aligns with consumer behavior, which I think Gary is the goat at. But I, I genuinely, no disrespect, don't care about those things. So I think, I think we're, we're saying very similar things. But so for example, with Connor. Okay. I, I know I, I think Connor's a great example because we just watched the whole documentary all about like him and behind the scenes. And and I think what I'm trying to say is it's the behind the scenes stuff that people actually do care about, but they won't really care about that until they know you care about them or until you're already invested in them. Right. So especially early on, people aren't really going to care very much about the the behind the scenes. But once you start to develop an audience and like people know how how much you care and how hard you work, now all of a sudden they're really gonna care about the behind the scenes. Like if Connor didn't become Connor, then we wouldn't care about, we, there probably wouldn't be much of a story and we wouldn't care as much about the behind the scenes. But because Connor became who he was and then had that devastating injury where his ankle just like came off of his, like his entire leg and just, it just shattered dramatically. And then he was sitting down on the canvas with Joe Rogan and having this massive meltdown, right? And hearing all the stuff that he's saying, well, now we want to know, like, why was he saying that? And he explains that he said, well, listen, like all the adrenaline dump and I was so pissed after all. And now you can understand it even more because you saw leading up to the fight that there were real issues with that leg and that like the, he was told that it was going to be okay and all this stuff. And then it just fucking snaps off. And now I think you're even more invested in his journey. Like, I think he's now people care more about a potential next fight, whether it's with Chandler or whomever because of getting this backstory. And actually, I'll never forget, I remember sitting in the car with Gary. I I'll, I don't think I told you this story. I was during my three years with Gary and he he told me, he's like, yeah, I want you to come on this ride with me. And I didn't know why. So you I, think you're I in gave trouble? him his protein shake, got in the Did car you? with him. No, I didn't think I was in trouble. I think he just wanted to hang out. Like, you know, sometimes he just likes to have people yeah. around. So, and all of a sudden he's like, I'm about to get on the phone with Dana White. Uh-huh. And he got on a call with Dana White and, and it was a conference call with the UFC in general. It wasn't just Dana. There was a number of people, but they were talking about Gary was giving the UFC advice on how to get more people interested in the fighters. And he was saying, you know what you should do? He's like, you should do vlogs, which they do now, but in the vlogs, you should get also vlogs of the fighter's family and the fighter's wives. He's like, to get women, you know how to get a regular person's uh, like wife, a, a, a guy's wife interested in the UFC, get them to see stuff about that fighter's wife, what they're wearing, what they're doing, what they're eating, all that stuff. So I, I, and so I'm not saying you're interested in that, but what I'm saying is you are interested in other behind the scenes aspects, like the preparation to the journey, like their mindset going into the journey, why Connor said the things he did after his ankle broke off, giving more insight into his training that leads you to care even more about him and, and the result of what he's doing just because you do have those behind the scenes now. I'm not going to fight you on this. We'll, we'll agree to disagree on this one. Okay. <laughs> I don't care what, what kind of, I, you, we did talk about that. I didn't know you were in the car for that conversation, it, but I remember talking about that with you and Gary and like bringing in players, wives, fighters, wives into content because then, you know, fan dude, fans 
girlfriends, wives will be more interested in seeing that. Like that makes mm-hmm. complete sense to me. And then they'll get excited Consumer to see behavior. them in the crowd. Yeah, see them that. in the yeah. crowd too. What yeah. what kind of dress are they wearing? Did they link it on their Instagram? I'm going to buy that dress too. Like fully, yes. fully yeah, yeah, get yeah. that. And and I agree that that is how most people act. And so I think we should behave accordingly. Got it. Got it. Sick, bro. Sick podcast, brother. I'm about to go hit a lift. Go get it, man. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week.